0: Chapter 11, Our Forgotten Creators. Much of this chapter will resonate as somewhat redundant, but it's so vital to understand the relationship our Creators desire with us for salvation, that is, eternal life. Let's begin by being reminded what Isaiah 42 8 tells us about the importance of the Creator Father's exclusive name. He says there, I am Yahweh, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. If there's any scripture plainly showing us what and how exclusive the Creator Father's true name is, that's it. That set-apart name is not some worthless generic title like God or Lord or even Jehovah, as the King James translators claimed the pronunciation of Yahweh to be. Remember, there is no J in Hebrew, Greek, or Aramaic. Let's continue with another scripture in Isaiah 65, 11, only with the correct names restored. How shocking a difference it makes. It says there, but you are those who forsake Yahweh, who forgot my holy or set-apart mountain, who prepare a table for gad, which is pronounced god, and who furnish a drink offering for many, which means host, or many gods. Remember, the Hebrew word badly translated holy is Qodesh, which again literally means set-apart or exclusive. That being the case, if anyone else has that name, it's no longer exclusive. But he declares his name, Yahweh, is exclusive and humanity has no right to change it. We are clearly shown by the passages in Malachi that not just any old name we hang on our Creator is acceptable. Showing honor or respect is imperative. Again, one of the justifications for the abolition which is to make us forget of our Creator Father's name, Yahweh, is the true pronunciation was lost. Remember, the Modern Judaica Encyclopedia, that's Volume 7, page 69, shows the actual pronunciation of the name Yahweh was never lost at all. It says there, several early Greek writers of the Christian church testify that the name was pronounced Yahweh. That is confirmed at least for the vowels of the first syllable of the name, by the shorter form Yah, which is sometimes used in poetry and the Yahu or yah that serves as the final syllable in many Hebrew names. Another misnomer taught concerning this topic is there is only one God. That was addressed earlier in the fact Christianity worships three gods, in one of course, but the original scriptures show there are many, or myriads actually, of gods, but only one to be revered and worshipped. Unfortunately, Yahweh's adversaries have done an astounding work of deception through the translators and churches to conceal that major truth. You see, all the angels and watchers are literal gods by contrast to humans. Again, the chief way our true Creator's names were erased was by changing them. But unfortunately, Yahweh has preserved the truth for those diligently seeking. Psalm 9.10 tells us, And those who know, which means to be intimate, your name will put their trust in you, for you, Yahweh, have not forsaken those who seek you. We just read how he has not or will not forsake those who seek his name. But he's not only showing himself to those who seek him, but has begun the process of revealing himself to all. Let's look at Jeremiah 16.21, where it says, Therefore, behold, I will this once cause them to know, I will cause them to know my hand and my might, and they shall know that my name is Yahweh. How many people or churches, even in Christianity, have a clue Yahweh is the Creator's personal name and teach it? I personally know very few, but thankfully that number is growing. Let's read another scripture regarding the Creator's true personal names. Jeremiah thirty-two eighteen tells us, "You show loving kindness to thousands and repay the iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of their children after them." The great, the mighty God, whose name is Yahweh. Honestly, can there be any doubt the demonic puppet masters purposely cause Yahweh's people to forget Him by forgetting His true name? Let's look at some of the prophecies dis- declaring this very thing, starting in Jeremiah twenty-three twenty-seven. We break into a thought here where it says, who try to make my people forget my name by their dreams, which everyone tells his neighbor as their fathers forgot my name for Baal, that is the Lord. Baal is the Canaanite uh, word for the Lord. That scripture very clearly addresses exactly what's, what ha- what's happened considering the dishonoring actions of the translators replacing Yahweh's name with the Lord, Baal. Adding more to that is Isaiah 64, 7, where it says, And there is no one who calls on your true name, that is Yahweh, who sits, stirs himself up to take hold of you, for consequently you have hidden your face from us and have consumed us because of our iniquities. Adding to that is Psalm 44:20, where it says, If we had forgotten the name of our God, that is Yahweh, or stretched out our hands to a foreign god, of course, which they did, considering the way Yahweh's name and person was dissected from Scripture should completely convince us of the demon's participation in that process, primarily through the translators. But to more fully understand the importance of that exclusive name Yahweh, we need only read the prophecies of its and his restoration beginning in Isaiah 12.4. It says there, And in that day you will say, Praise Yahweh, call upon his name, declare his deeds among the people, make mention that his name is exalted. These are obviously future prophecies showing Yahweh's name being restored and set above all the others. Let's then read Zephaniah 3, nine, where it says, For then I will restore to the people a pure language, that they all may call on the name of Yahweh to serve him with one accord. Psalm 102:21 adds even more where it says to declare the name of Yahweh in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. Not only will Yahweh's exclusive name be restored, but the scriptures also command the saints to give thanks for the remembrance Well that set-apart or exclusive name, which of course includes him. Let's read it in Psalm 30, verse 4. Sing praise to Yahweh, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his set-apart, that is, exclusive name. Bottom line, have we forgotten Yahweh and his name, let alone give thanks for his remembrance? Or have we done the very thing he warned his people of, forgetting his sacred exclusive name, and of course, him? In fact, a fitting question to ask at this point is, Does anyone who worships a pagan god believe they are worshipping a pagan god? The answer seems obvious. If they knew the truth about their god or gods being pagan, worshipping it or them would become a redundant and worthless exercise. Considering we've been tricked into accepting and worshipping pagan gods versus our true spiritual father makes restoration direly necessary. In connection to that, the reinstating of Yahweh and his personal name is the Elijah Commission. Again, it seems we're no different from the ancient Israelites in the time of Elijah who worshipped the Lord at his Baal, believing him to be the true creator. That mindset was confirmed in the behavior of Ahab and Jezebel's priests in 1 Kings 18. Those people were so totally convinced they were worshiping the true God, it took a massive demonstration of power, such as Elijah's calling down fire from heaven, to prove they were wrong. Interestingly, is that what it'll take for modern Israel, us as well? Without going into a major dissertation, you can be sure if there is a coming Elijah, Uh, His commission will undoubtedly be the same as the former Elijah, which is to turn the hearts back to our father, that is, Yahweh. And that commission begins with the restoration of Yahweh's exclusive name. That was, in fact, the main accomplishment of the first Elijah. His commission was literally spelled out in his very name. God is Yahweh. That's what Elijah means. El, God, and Yah is Yahweh. Considering the story in 1 Kings 18, it's shocking and even hilarious to see what Elijah told the people in verse 21. He says there, How long will you halt between two opinions? If the Lord, that is originally Yahweh, is God, then follow him. But if Baal, which is the Canaanite Lord, be God, then follow him. Because of the translator's name changing, What the text was literally made to say is, If Baal be God, follow him, but if Baal be God, then follow him. What nonsense. Again, the original text read, If Yahweh be God, follow him, but if the Lord or Baal be God, then follow him. With the true names restored, Elijah clearly demonstrated who the true father God was. Yahweh, not the Lord, Baal. According to Unger's Bible Dictionary, the name of the chief or father god of the Canaanites was El, otherwise known as Dagon, the fish god, who was the father of Baal, the Lord. In fact, archaeologists have unearthed Canaanite figurines of El, their father god, with El inscribed. According to Unger, the Canaanites had a strange penchant for attaching plurality to all all the names of their gods, the plural of El being Elohim. And the ancient Canaanites were so enamored by this god, El, they began to use this Canaanite god's name as the title for Yahweh, the reason it's found in the modern or post-Babylonian captivity Hebrew texts. The copyists, apparently, between the 5th and 3rd century BCE, began substituting Yahweh's name with Jehovah, which now is pronounced Jehovah, and also attaching the pagan title of El Elohim, or god or gods. Elohim was originally a Canaanite word or name adopted by the Israelites to describe the multiple attributes of the one true creator, Yahweh. A very eye-opening bit of information can be found in Dr. Unger's work in the false gods section under Asherah. After describing the principal or chief god of the Canaanites, El, of which Elohim is the plural, Unger goes on into the other Canaanite names such as Asheroth, which is astarte who was the wife and sister of el Ashrath is pictured as a nude woman riding a line with a lily in one hand and a serpent in the other mr younger ends this section with this statement in canaan there was a tendency to employ the plural forms of deities Ashrath is ashroth Ashra, ashrim anath anatoth to summarize all the various manifestations of their deity In like fashion, the Canaanite plural Elohim or gods was adopted by the Hebrews to express all the excellencies and attributes of the one true God, Yahweh. This pagan Canaanite father god's name Elohim was also used in dozens of places in Scripture to describe not only pagan gods and idols, but angels, and get this, even men. That comes as quite a shock to most, but is a fact nonetheless. But Yahweh is exclusive. In Exodus 34, we find a good example of one of those scriptures which uses Elohim to refer to pagan gods. In verses 15 through 17, it says, Lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they play the harlot with their gods, that is Elohim, and make sacrifice to their gods, again Elohim, and one of them invites you to eat of his sacrifice, and you take of his daughters for your sons and his daughters to show the harlot, to play the harlot with their gods, again Elohim, and make your sons play the harlot with their gods, Elohim, you shall make no molded gods, again, Elohim, for yourselves. How can Elohim be Yahweh's title without making him the head of that pagan Canaanite pantheon? We have already seen how the rabbis coerced the people into ceasing the use of Yahweh's personal exclusive name, thereby causing it and him to be forgotten, and how it will be restored. Unfortunately, that rabbi's decree went totally against Yahweh's own commands in the scriptures. Let's read Psalm 29, verse 2, where it says, Give to Yahweh the glory due to his name. Worship Yahweh in the beauty of righteousness. Here we plainly see the name Yahweh is to be glorified, not banned from use and forgotten. With that in mind, let's take a close look at the third commandment, where it also becomes clear how the translators profaned Yahweh's name. Deuteronomy 5.11 says, And you shall not take or make the name of Yahweh, your God, vain. For Yahweh will not hold him guiltless who takes, actually makes, his name vain. That means worthless. Strong's Bible Dictionary defines vain or shav as evil, idolatry, and uselessness or worthless. By translating or replacing Yahweh with the pagan title, the Lord, Baal, or using the generic worthless title God as a name, El Elohim, the translators did exactly that, making our Creator's sacred name vain, or just as worthless as any pagan God or Lord. That in mind, let's take a look at more of those scriptures warning against profaning Yahweh's sacred name. Let's look at Leviticus 22.32 where it says, You shall not profane my set-apart name, but I will be hallowed, that is kept exclusive, among the children of Israel. I am Yahweh who sanctifies you. Then in Ezekiel 39, 7, he says, So I will make my set-apart or exclusive name known in the midst of my people, Israel. I will not let them profane my set-apart name anymore. Then the nations shall know that I am Yahweh, the Righteous One in Israel." Just putting a capital letter on God or Lord does not change false to true. If you notice how Yahweh stated that in the last passage, He would not let them profane His set-apart or exclusive name Yahweh anymore. The day is coming soon when all people will have no choice but to know, glorify, and honor Yahweh's sacred name. Further admonishment to the importance of His name is found in 1 Chronicles 16:29, 29. Where it says, Give to Yahweh the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. O worship Yahweh in the beauty of righteousness. Did you notice it says, We owe Him glory. By not proclaiming His name, Yahweh, we fail to give Him the honor due His exclusive name. I'll close this chapter with a few more scriptures echoing the same theme. Glory in His set-apart name. Let the hearts of those who rejoice seek and find Yahweh. If you do not carefully observe all the words of this law or Torah that are written in this book that you may fear or respect this glorious and awesome name, Yahweh, your God, then Yahweh will bring upon you and your descendants extraordinary plagues, great and prolonged plagues, and serious and prolonged sicknesses. That's Deuteronomy 2858. Wow, very dire proclamation. And in Psalm 86, verse 9, it says, All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Yahweh, and shall glorify your name. Again, his name is Yahweh. How many respect, glorify, remember, or even know the sacred or set apart name Yahweh? But as we've seen, the prophecies foretell a day when all the nations will not only remember and worship Yahweh, but will glorify His sacred name. Yahweh has a plan, that's His plan ordained from the beginning, which is unfolding exactly as planned since the first century. He purposely allowed His name and plan of immortality be lost to mankind, that is, until the awakening of the fall harvest season, which has now arrived. You no doubt notice the S after our Creator in the title of this chapter. Yahweh, our Creator Father, is not the only one who's been forgotten, along with his name, but his co-creator, which we will look into next.